Hey guys, welcome to another episode of MC Anime. MC here. So, today I'm doing pretty well. We have a very interesting topic to discuss. We are discussing Asian studies, Hinduism, and beliefs. So, we're going to go into what Hinduism is, the belief system, the holy books, the origins, do a small Hinduism versus Buddhism tab, medieval and modern Hindu a little bit. We're going to talk about Gandhi with Hindu, the Hindu gods, uh, the Hindu places of worship, the, the different sects of Hinduism, the Hindu caste system, and then also well-known Hindu holidays. So, further ado, what is Hinduism? Well, Hinduism is one of the world's oldest religions, according to many scholars. It has roots and customs dating back more than 4,000 years. Uh, today, with there's about 900 million followers. Hinduism is the third largest religion behind Christianity and Islam. Uh, 95 of the world's Hindus live in India. Because the religion has no specific founder, it's difficult to stretch the origins in history. Hinduism unique is that not a single religion, but a com compilation of many traditions and philosophies. So, it has many it has many parts what we call many layers, just like Shrek. You know, it has many things to add to it and just keep adding to it. So, we're all made of layers. Thanks, Shrek, for that comparison. Alright. So, I'm going to go into Hinduism and the belief structure. So, Hinduism, you embrace many religious ideas... For this reason, it's sometimes referred to as a way of life or a family of religions, as opposed to a single organized religion. Uh, most forms of Hinduism are henotheistic, which means they worship a single deity known as Brahman, but still recognize other gods and goddesses. Uh, followers believe there are multiple paths to reach no god. Hindus believe in the doctrines of Samsara, the continuous cycle of life, death, and reincarnation, and karma, the universal law of cause and effect. So one of the key thoughts of Hinduism is Atman, or the belief is in the soul. This philosophy holds that living creatures have a soul, they're all part of the supreme soul. The goal is to treat to achieve uh mask uh masha. No, yeah. Moksha, or salvation, which ends in the cycle of rebirth to become the, the part of the absolute soul. So, you have the soul, they're part of the supreme soul, and then you have salvation for the rebirth to become the absolute soul or the supreme soul. One fundamental belief of religion is the idea that people's actions and thoughts directly determine their life and future lives. So this is potential karma thing, positive karma, negative karma, neutral karma. 
just to be aware about. Uh, not much in detail as that, like as Buddhism, but there is that idea. Hinduism strive to achieve Dharara, which is the code of living that entails good conduct and morality. Hindus revere all living creatures and consider the cow a sacred animal. Food is an important part of life for Hindus. Most don't eat beef or pork, and many are vegetarians. So, pig pork is very unclean, and beef is a sacred, so they don't eat beef and pork. Um, and that list leaves mostly vegetarian, because chicken and turkey and all that stuff is not really a common livestock in India. Hinduism is closely related to other Indian religions, including Buddhism, Shikhanism, and Jainism. So, that's the Hindu belief system. Now, the Hinduism with symbols. This is very key, because there's symbols, there's like seven, eight, ten of them. So, we have a, you know... So, one symbol that you might know. So, two primary symbols is with Hinduism is the arm and the wood and swastika. Okay, so swastika means good fortune or being happy in Sanskrit, and the symbol represents good luck. So, the swastika in Indian culture, Hinduism, is... Good luck, good fortune, don't break bad will. However, a diabolical version of the swastika became associated with the German Nazi party, which made their system. So, yes, the swastika has a negative effect, but in the religious aspect, I do not endorse. Uh, the Nazi party. So. What they did was horrendous. And. That. Swastika. Is for the Hindu religion specifically. So. Do not get it confused. I have directly stated. Which purpose is which. So as a result. That's what it means. Anyway let's go. So the arms symbol is considered of three Sanskrit letters and represents three sounds. Ah, you, mm. Ah, you, and me, which when combined are considered a sacred sound, um, which is Am, which is the great god. Um, the Am, Om symbol is often found at a family shrines and Hindu temples. So that is uh, some of the important symbols associated with Hinduism. The Am and the swastika. And Am being the almighty highest god there is. But let's get into the holy books. So Hindus value sacred writings as opposed to they have many sacred writings instead of one holy book. So the primary sacred texts are known as the Vedas, 
Vidas, which was composed in 1500 BC, is a collection of verses and hymns written in Sanskrit and contains revelations received by the ancient saints and sages. Uh, the Vidas are made up of the Rig Veda, the Sam Avida, uh, Jajurveda, Arthur, Arthur Avida. So, Hindus believe that Vedas transcend all time and don't have a beginning or an end. And then we also have the Upanishadas, the the Hagavad Gita, 18 Priyantas, Ramyanya, and Mahabharit Gita are considered important texts in Hinduism as well. So, the origins of Hinduism. Most scholars believe Hinduism started between 2300 BC and 1500 BC in the Indus Valley near modern day Pakistan. But many Hindus argue that their faith is timeless and has always ex existed. So, here's a debate of the origin of Hinduism. Hinduism and people of that religion believe that has always existed. Scholars date it to 2300 and 1500 and also the Indus Valley in Pakistan. <sighs> See, the question against scholars that study the religion and the believers of the religion, there's always going to be a debate over what they agree on. Because a lot of times believers of the religion are more narrow. I wouldn't say, yeah, they're, they're narrow-minded because they that's what they believe. So it's really hard to convince from like an outsider perspective, which an outsider perspective would try to see all the facts and try to back up only by the fact, which the scholars do. So any religion... There is no fact-based logic. It's all in belief, all in salvation and belief system. So, when you get into that debate, scholars rely on facts. Uh, believers rely on belief and philosophy. So, just just know that. But unlike many religions... Hinduism has no found no one founder, but instead is a fusion of various beliefs. So we have 1500 BC. We have the in Indo Ryan people migrate to the Indus Valley, and their language and culture blended with what of the Indus indigenous people living in the region. There's some debate over who influenced whom more during this time. Now the period when the Vedas were composed became known as the Vedic period and lasted from about 1500 BC to 500 BC. Rituals such as sacrifices, chanting were common in the Vedic period. The epic, Puranic, and classic periods took place between 500 BC and 500 AD. 
Hindus uh, began to enthusiastically worship of deities, especially uh, Vishnu, Shiva, and Devi. Uh, the concept of Dharma was introduced in new texts and other faiths, such as Buddhism and Jainism, which was spreading rapidly. So, that is the origins of Hinduism. One point to take note, scholars versus believers, there's always going to be debate in whether scholars believe it's fact and whether believers be believe the scholars, because the scholars might protrude some theories because theories don't mesh well with, with believers. But now we get into the argument Hinduism versus Buddhism. There is some major differences that we need to take in consideration here. For Hinduism, Buddhism might seem similar. They have major differences. Uh, Hinduism have many similarities. In fact, Buddhism arose out of Hinduism and both believe in reincarnation, karma, and that a life of devotion and honor to the path of salvation and enlightenment. But there is some key differences that exist between the two. Buddhism rejects the caste system of Hinduism and does away with the rituals, the priesthood, the gods that are integral to the Hindu faith. So that's what Buddhism does. And that's the differences between it. The caste system is really stringent and really strict and really un unfair to that system. The rituals are, you know, traditions and sacrifices that Buddhism doesn't believe in. Uh, the priesthood. There is no religious leader in Buddhism. It's all about the self and one's worthy and one's path to enlightenment so there is no priest there is no one preaching Buddhism it's a way of life more than a religion in some aspects and gods you know the important gods like Amu Deva Shiva all of those might not it's not considered in Buddhism so we have settled that debate versus Hinduism versus Buddhism, now we dive into the medieval and modern Hindu history, which is kind of interesting. So we have the medieval period of Hinduism. It lasts about 500 to 1500 AD. New texts emerged. Poets, saints recorded their spiritual and sentiments during this time. In the 7th century, Muslim Arabs began invading areas in India. During parts of the Muslim period, which lasted from 1200 to 1757, Islamic rulers prevented Hindus from worshipping their deities and some temples were destroyed. So, during the medieval period and the modern period, a couple things emerged. Medieval, new text, poet saints, spiritual sentiments during the time, so this is from 500 to 1500 A.D. Now, modern Hindu history, 7th century, Muslim Arabs invading India. Muslim culture is very close to the Middle East, and India is just slightly 
on the escorts of the Middle East, so it makes sense that the Islamic Empire during this time would try to invade them. It also makes sense that the Islamic rulers prevent Hindus from worshiping their deities, and some temples were destroyed. Because uh, the Islamic faith wanted them to convert from Hindu to Islam. And that just doesn't work as well if you have a previous established uh, belief system. So it's really hard to convert in that area, especially if you've been Hindu your entire life. So it, it does take in consideration that as well. Alright, so... Uh, a brief story about Madaha Gandhi. Um, there's some prehistory to take before Gandhi showed up. Um, so 1757 to 1947. British had an empire in India. This is fact. Spice trade, they just slowly but surely economically controlled India and India became their territory. You know, whatever. At that time, there was like political tensions and uh, different lo uh, lords of the different areas did not unite under the king, so they took the side of the British, and British actually paid for officers. And they held places in the uh, government, and uh, yeah. This is another example of British during this time. They didn't learn from America. They gave India everything they needed to stabilize their economy, transportation like railroads, improve social life, look down upon some of the other bad parts of the caste system. And overall, they improved it and gave the uh, Indian country Amenuity to actually rule, the, rule over themselves and other than civil war. So, new rulers allow Hindus to practice civil religion without interference. However, Christian monasteries, missionaries sought to convert and Russianize the people, which is probably another flaw on Britain's part because when you try to convert, it always gets into conflict with their culture. And people should just follow what they need to follow, not be converted to something else. Uh, many reformers emerged during the British period. The well-known politician and peace activist, uh, Madhav Gandhi, led a movement that pushed for India's independence. So Gandhi is highly... Uh, revolutionary in the fact of a visionary for India's independence. So this is where Gandhi comes in, peace and protest, but civil disobedience comes into play. This is kind of the influential role that Gandhi played. And, you know, it just happened to be in India, just happened to be for the independence. But civil disobedience became a, a pattern for other people to use in civil protests in other areas. So, but yeah, the partition of India, 
killed in 1947 and Gandhi was assassinated in 1948. Uh, British India was split into what are now the independent nations of India and Pakistan. Hinduism became the major religion of India. Starting in the 1960s, many Hindus migrated to North America and Britain, spreading their faith and philosophies to the Western world. So we've been talking about the Hindu history and the Hindu origins and stuff. But we actually need to get back into the belief system, specifically in the, the Hindu gods, the deities they actually celebrate, because there's different renditions of the Hindu gods throughout Hindu itself. So, Hindus worship many gods, goddesses, in addition to Brahman, who is considered the supreme god, forced to present all things. Some of the most prominent deities include Brahma, the god responsible for the creation of the world, all living things. Uh, Vishnu, the god that preserves and protects the universe. Shiva, the god that destroys the universe in order to recreate it. Deva, the god that Fights to restore Durawa, uh, Karisha, the god of compassion, tenderness, and love, Lakashumi, the goddess of wealth and purity, Sarawati, the goddess of loaning. So it's, it's kind of interesting when you really think about it. We have Boma. God responsible for creation of the world and all living things. So, that's a creating God. He represents the very core of Hindu creation story. So that is the God for that. Now, it's kind of interesting because they had multiple gods, but they all had different roles. That's kind of what I think is interesting about these different religions of Eastern culture. Most have all these different gods, different deities for protection over different things and different put to claim to fame what they're known for. So Vichy the god that preserves that preserves and protects the universe. So we have the creator, but you need a protector. So Vishu comes into play. Serves as the protector. Protects what is created by Brahma and interpreserves the balance set forth to have the creation in the first place. Which is kind of interesting. But then you have Shiva. The god that destroys the universe in order to recreate it. So, if the universe is already created and already is protected, where does the world destroying it come into play? Well, the belief you shadow everything to recreate kind of does come into play. For example, let's say you go into the incarceration system. You're found guilty of a crime. The incarceration system, if you're fortunate to benefit from it, they're supposed to break you down, build you back up. Actually, no. Yeah, they 
they serve as a way to break the mind of the criminal. Now, half the time that doesn't happen, but sometimes it does. But a better example, the military. They take you in. You have no experience. They're supposed to break you, build you back, and then recreate what is expected to be in the military. Shiva does this. She destroys the universe in order to recreate it. She's the god of chaos, but she's also the god of recreation from the chaos. So the whole role is to destroy everything, rebuild it from the ground up, to recreate everything before that was destroyed. So, Fisher protects, Shiva destroys, Boma was the first to create it, but oversees Shiva recreating it in the similar image. Diva, the goddess that fights to restore Dorar. Dorar is interesting because it's the reincarnation, it's the principle of life and death, but also your morality when you're on the plane. So, it's always good to have positive and not negative. So, when you restore it, you kind of want to keep that in mind. Because even if, let's say, you're destroyed in, of Shiva and she recreates it, you still need to restore the door because the door is not, can't be destroyed because it's every it's ever present with you. You have to break it down to restore it. So we have Krishna, the god of compassion, tenderness, and love. This is pretty self-explanatory because human beings are very compassionate. They are a compassionate species. They want the tenderness. They want to experience love. They, it's, it's, it's from fundamentally human to love something to love someone else. That is what we strive for in life. It's one of the greater meetings. And different people strive for finding love in different ways. Companionship. Understanding. Friendship. Co-worker. Respect. Appreciation. There's different forms that you can try to capture it. So it's very good to have the compassion and tenderness and love to be protected by a deity to allow it to happen. Uh, Lashimi, the goddess of wealth and purity. You want to prosper. You want to be pure. So, to have a deity to protect this and secure it makes it possible for you to have love but also be in good fortune or even a purest form you can be. And then uh, Saraswati, the goddess of learning, which I think is similar to Swastika. I think it, yeah, it is. Surprisingly, the goddess of learning. Humans have to continuously learn to keep up. Because if you're not learning something, you are limiting yourself because of the fact you're not able to move on. If we were not able to learn, then we are not able to continuously recreate society how we change these things. So, 
those are the different deities associated and what they do and a little bit more ex explanation of what they do and the role in which they serve the gods of. So the Hindu places of worship. Hindu worship is known as puja, which typically takes place in the mandir or the temple. Now, followers of Hinduism can visit the Mandu anytime they please. Hinduism can worship at home. Many have a special shrine dedicated to certain gods and goddesses. The giving of offerings is an important part of the Hindu worship. It's common to a common practice present the gifts such as flowers, oils to the to a god or goddesses. These are pretty standard because to present these gifts, you're paying homage to the god or the goddesses that you are referring to in that particular moment. So, yeah. Something that represents that particular section of that. Also, many Hindus take pilgrimages to temples and other sacred sites in India. So, the pilgrimage is a huge uh, concept because you go on a journey to the temple, pay your respects and do this most of the time in India so most, uh, Hindus overseas, it's a huge honor to pilgrimage once in your life to India because it's tradition to do so anyway but not everyone overseas can do it because they don't have the finances to do it. So it's usually a lifetime, once in a lifetime experience, and people take it very seriously. So this is the sex of Hinduism. Hinduism has many sects and is considered into the following. We have Shaivism, which is followers of Shiva. Uh, then we have Vasha Navara. Vasha Va Navara, which is followers of Vishu. Uh, Shankhanism, which is followers of Devi. And then Smarta, which is followers of Brahman and all major deities. So these four Shamanism, Shavaism, Vasha Navara, Shaikhatism, and Smarta are all different sects that Hinduism practice. Some Hindus evaluate the Hindu trinity, which consists of Brahma, Vishu, and Shiva. Others believe that all the deities are a manifestation of one. So, it's important to take that in consideration. Since they're so closely related, since, you know, Brahman is the creator, Vishu is the protector, and Shiva is the destroyer but recreator, it's kind of important to see those three intermingle because they play such a key role. So, we talked about the sex of Hinduism. Now let's talk about a, an outlier in the system, the Hindu caste system. Uh, the caste system has very rigid way of life, and it's not accepting of new ways, new things. It's very rigid, very vigorous. 
The caste system is a social hierarchy in India that divides Hindus based on the Kama and Dwara. Many scholars believe the system dates back more than 3,000 years. The four main castes in particular of providence include uh, Bahahim, the illogical and spiritual leaders, um, Kastariyas, the protectors and public servants of society, uh, Vyasas, the skillful producers, uh, Shijaras, the unskilled laborers. So these are the four different ones, and basically from low to high, we have Shiraz, the unskilled, at the bottom, Vihaz, the skilled producers, Kasharaturiyas, uh, the protectors in the public service of society, so like the government workers, which the unskilled laborers is just like just the day-to-day -day job. The skillful producers, like the manufacturers, the intellectual and spiritual leaders, the ones who have education or deep understanding of religion, and overall a high ability community and influence. Many subcategories also exist within each, each caste. Uh, you have the untouchables, a, a class of citizens that are outside the caste system and considered to be the lowest level of the social hierarchy. So it is even below the, than the unskilled laborers. For centuries, the caste system determined every aspect of a person's social, professional, and religious status in India. When India became an independent nation, its constitution banned discrimination based on caste system. This is very key because they've been so traditionally known for caste system, but they didn't want discrimination based on the caste system. Uh, today, the caste system still exists in India, but it's loosely very followed, so it's not very enforced. Many of the old customs are overlooked, but some traditions, such as only marrying within a specific caste, are still embraced. So basically, the tradition of marrying within the specific caste is your role. So if you're a Shira, you're supposed to do an, uh, another person that's considered unskilled laborer. For Isas, the skilled producer, so you marry someone with that match protector. The, sub, the public servants and protectors. You want to marry them, intellect and spiritual, you marry them. So that's still pretty traditional in that aspect. But yes, so when the British came in, they challenged the, some particular aspect of the caste system and really did influence India to take part and abolish most of the caste system and traditions that were found upon by society. Oh. Now we get into the Hindu holidays. Um, let's see. Hindus observe numerous sacred days, holidays, and festivals. Some of the best well known include like the Festival of Lights which is 
Adioa, the Festival of Lights, and the ancient origin of Dioa is a multiple face every year, October and November. Hindus around the world celebrate Dioa, or Deepa Valley, a festival of lights that stretches back more than 2,500 2500 years. Uh, Dioa 21, November, five-day celebration marks the biggest day holiday of the year. There isn't just one reason to celebrate the five-day holiday. Uh, Perkin Jane, a professor in ancient celebration is linked to multiple stories in religious texts. It's impossible to say which one came first or how long ago Dior started. So that's a little bit brief background of Dior. But let's go down. Natafatori. A celebration of fertility and harvest. So it's kind of interesting here because fertility and harvest kind of go hand in hand here. So for fertility, you want you know you want healthy population of children coming in, being born, to be brought more into religion, to be part of the populace. Harvest has a similar idea, except with. Uh, it's yielding the successful production of for food and the economy. So fertility and harvest kind of go together because both are yielding life in different ways. So it makes sense to have that celebration to celebrate life being renewed being reincarnated being reincarnated like uh, Shiva so it's kind of interesting having the destroying but recreation happen as well when you do the harvest uh, you destroy it and you use the results of what you yielded to make a new crop for the next year. But even though you re- you destroy it, you recreate it for the next year to destroy again. So it's in the cycle of destroying but recreating. And uh, children, you don't destroy them like you do a harvest. But instead, you break, you be enforcing and recreating new opportunities for them to be better people. So you destroy the habits, but you recreate them as a person. And do it in a way that's not destructive. Be very careful how you do it. Uh, Holy, this is a spring festival. Um, we have Krishina, Chaman uh, Fat. Han, John, Jan, Mafasta Tamai, which is a tribute to Krishna's birthday. And it's interesting that Krishna, being the god that she is, he kind of paid, a, paid tribute to the birthday of her. So, and her role is the god of compassion, kindness, and love. So, celebrating the birthday of Krishna is very interesting 
because you celebrate the deity that honors compassion, love, and everyday life that you solely enjoy. So it's kind of sacred in this holiday. Very fascinating. Rakasha Bandan, a celebration of the bond between brother and sister. Uh, this is interesting because brother and sister have this role in Hinduism where they're your peers. You grew up with them. And they're on the bonds of family, but also people who've been there the longest, more than other people. Because family values are very integral to religion, but also the bonding aspect. So brother and sister kind of gives that off that impression. And then we have uh, Maha Shivaratri Shivaratri which is the great festival of Shiva. So this is the the, the celebration of just Shiva itself which is fascinating for the simple fact that Shiva destroys the universe in order to recreate it. So she continuously making things better and she's put into a high regard for this particular celebration. So, so these are some of the key holidays and celebrations for Shinduism. It's very important to take note uh, that Hinduism is unique because it's one of the older religions in the world, but it's still very highly spread and highly popular because India is the second largest country right now. And India is very close to overtake China as well in that population. But Hinduism is a major religion of China, uh, not China, India. And it dates back way beyond they created Buddhism as well. Buddhism. You know, they had multiple gods, multiple gods for different things. One that creates it, one that protects it, one that destroys it, one's the deity of love and sacrifice. Then you have purity and uh, everything nice, which during drama, you know, stuff like that really takes in the fact that Hinduism in that pork is unclean and beef is a sacred animal so the poultry is what they can eat for meat but the mostly on a vegetarian diet cause the easier livestock to actually the most too popular livestock right now is beef and pork. So not having that in your diet leads to, you know, protein other ways. Beans, rice is very common in this culture. It, and that's why also spices tend to be really high. 
because the flavor and the cooking is really well done in that aspect. So that's why there's all these different spices, all these different dishes that's not mainstream because it's specifically related to India. And, you know, Hinduism plays a role into the, you know, vegetarian diet. Beans and rice is a very vegetarian dish. And it's very integral of the part because rice is really easy to produce in these types of climates. You know, we took, and then, you know, the history of Hinduism takes about so long that there probably is so much to consider in the scheme of everything because it's so old. You know, being a genetical part and actually changing the caste system is really huge too. Because the caste system has like thousands and thousands of years and that's mostly ignored except for marriage between the classes. But it's also important to understand the caste system because not only you know that they have it and people are very rigid with it and you belong where you belong and Using the way you were born was also a play that played a part. It basically identified people, not giving them the chance to be an outlier for another caste system that's higher than theirs. And it really goes to show you that by physically enforcing a caste system, you isolate the people at the different levels. Instead, you should just have a unity of all people regardless of who they are and whatever they stand because the caste system like the Spanish have produced is not really ideal to rule or even caste system is based on like social classes and we're beyond social classes because social classes don't exist as much everyone is just together now it's just mostly wealthy classes. See, now it's not socially anymore. It's based on how much money you have. Which at least I think uh, a class system of wealth is a little bit more fair. Even though it's still, ba- it's still laboring people. Caste system was really... A traditional part of Eastern culture, and each one has their own system in which they use to divide the hierarchy and influential leaders and the people who gave to the economy. So, in a given aspect, you need to understand that that system is doesn't work, and you need to do something else. And uh, yes, uh, the arm in the swastika are very sacred to Hinduism as a culture. Even though one of them is associated with bad press because of particular radical government, 
it still is an old system that predates that association. So it's kind of sad that people think of only that association because of it. See, Thosica was originally a good symbol, but now it it was used as a way to make it a bad system. And to be honest, that shouldn't have really happened because it doesn't bring it on ill will to other people is not what the, the swastika represents. I'm sorry, but that is just a should never happen, but it did. Very disgraceful. And that's all I have to say. I'm appalled that it even happened. But I've acknowledged it did. But it should never happen again. So. But yeah. That is this particular. Deep dive into Asian studies. Hinduism and beliefs. And as an important side note. We covered the belief system. The Hinduism symbols. The holy books. The origins, Hinduism versus Buddhism, medieval and modern Hindu history, uh, how Gandhi was influenced, the Hindu gods, the Hindu places of worship, the sects of Hinduism itself, the Hindu caste system, the Hindu holidays. So, you know, belief, uh, we have, just to sum up everything, you know, way of life, family religions, atheistic, multiple paths to reach no God, doctors of thought, the, the continuous life of death and reincarnation, common universal law of cause and effect, Tom of the belief in the soul, be part of the uh, absolute soul, the people's actions and thoughts determine their current life and future lives, strive to achieve drama, code of living, good conduct, living creatures of the cow and sacred animal, food supports in part, most don't eat pork and many are vegetarians, you know, there's other religions that are interrelated. The symbols, what the swastika and the arm symbol meaning. We have the holy books, which is the Rig Veda, the Samaveda, the Yajur Veda, Arthur Veda. And then we get into the origins, which was uh, in this valley. Then scholars versus uh, believers debate, which is the actual origin when Hinduism Believers actually think it's timeless and always existed. And then we have like the different Vedic period. Then we have the epic, the Purionic and classic period. And then the concept introducing a new text, Buddhism, Jainism. And then we have Hinduism versus Buddhism. Uh, major differences 
No rituals, no rejects the caste system, no priesthood and gods are intended for the Hindu faith. Medieval, 1500 to 1500, new text, spiritual and sentiments. And then we have the 7th century to 1757, Islamic rulers, Hindus from worshiping, Gandhi doing civil disobedience and being a movement for Indian independence. Um, the independent nations of India and Pakistan. Hinduism became the major religion of India. And then, you know, getting independence, but also casting, rejecting the caste system in most aspects. Uh, North America and Britain during this time to the Western Indians. The Hindu gods, the Bhuma, creation, Vishu, protector universe, Shiva destroyed to restore, to recreate, Devi fights to restore Dharma, the love of compassion, tenderness, and love, Ashumi, wealth and purity, Saraswati, learning, and then we have the Mondo. You learn for worship, present gifts at shrines, pilgrimages to go to India, the sects, the Shatavism, Vachavism, the Shatiism, and the Smarta, and the caste system, the Brahmin, Kshatriyas, Vyasas, Shudriyas, and then holidays like. Devitali, Natori, Navatri, the Holy, Kishima, Masuka, Banhan, Mara, Shiva, Atriva, So I hope you guys take relevance in the fact that. Hinduism and Asian studies is really interesting. It's something that you should consider for the time being. And overall, remember this. That whatever you believe is what you believe. And take notice in that belief system because it's very important in way of life. And different cultures have different ways to do things. And this uh, exploration of religions in Eastern culture is really interesting in my particular field of interest for the Asian continent. I also believe that if we continue to learn more and accept, well, just to at least understand what these different religions are about, then people can be more religiously tolerant and not as senile as people have done in the past please take note that Hinduism is very symbolic and it's really a rich culture that you should look at it's something that you know it's not off the beating path majorly dominant in India and overall please respect the choice of you know what they eat kosher beef 
no beef, no pork, because that is what they strive for. So it's very important to protect the interests at heart and the culture they have. But further ado, please don't forget to subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. You can follow us on social media, on Facebook, blog at and blog against the anime, Twitter at Mason Colon, M-E-I-S-O-N-C-O-L-L-L-A-W-N. Instagram is similar. Join us on Patreon for the MC Animator community, where you can do original post, message me, talk about different top tier anime ideas. Potential podcast ideas, potential guest opportunity, potential sponsorship for the podcast, and overall support us what we do on a daily basis. Thank you so much for being a part of the Asian Studies Hinduism Hinduism and Belief episode. I really enjoyed it. I hope you guys do as well. Please let this be a reminder to those who want to do a deep dive and suggest other comments, please comment and give us more ideas. We'd love to appreciate your particular experience and opinion about the MC Anime Podcast. Alright, thanks guys. MC MC signing over and out. Bye.